The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Welcome to our State of the Church Address. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Proverbs chapter number 29 this morning. The book of Proverbs chapter number 29. The month of August is a unique one for our church. We take the four Sundays throughout the month and and really use each Sunday to refocus as a church family. And so each of the services are just a little bit unique. Um, They're not typical for our church family, uh, but we have a particular purpose for each one that we believe will help bind our church together, bond our church together, as, as, as well as really focus us on what the Lord has for us in the next season of ministry. Uh, for a lot of us, we're coming back from vacation, the kids are getting back into school, and this is a good time of year just to really refocus. Uh, to fix our eyes on Christ and, and to really, even as a church family, uh, all get on the same page. And so that really is what we do during the month of August. And so that's what we're planning on doing just a little bit today. Uh, just like there is a State of the Union address that's given once a year to our country. I don't know if some of you watch that or not. Uh, but just like there's a State of the Union, uh, here at Ambassador, we like to once a year have what we call our State of the Church address. And so if you're visiting with us today or if you're newer to our church family, um, this is not a typical service for us, okay? So I actually want to ask you, I want to invite you uh, to come back uh, as we kind of maybe move into the new uh, month as we get ready for a brand new series as we just work kind of verse by verse through books of the Bible and uh, as we go through those Bible studies we really believe that there'll be a help and an encouragement to you and your family so this is really unique uh, but and to be honest I just got to be transparent this really is a service kind of for our church family and so if you're a member or a regular attender uh, this is primarily for you but if you're visiting with us thank you so much for coming you are our honored guest So Proverbs chapter number 29 is what we're going to be looking at as our launch board here today. Um, If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read uh, from this our text. Proverbs chapter number 29. And then afterwards we'll have a word of prayer. Here's what the word of God says in Proverbs chapter number 29. It says this. Where there is no vision. In the Hebrew, this word for vision literally means a word from the Lord. So that's what it's saying. Where there is no vision, where there is no word from the Lord. Here's what the Bible says. The people, they perish. The people, they perish. Uh, I want to speak this morning and, and really by God's grace, help us to really align with God's vision for our local church family. And and I hope for those of you who've been around for a while, this will be a good reminder. And and for many of you who are new, that this will just help you more deeply understand what our church is really all about. Uh, I'm I'm super thankful since last summer uh, with the adding of another service. We have a 930 service as well as an 11 o'clock service. Uh, We've been able to add over 30 families, household units, we call them, to our church between the two services. And so for many of you, uh, this service will just be an opportunity for for you to really understand what we are as a church family and kind of get a pulse on our DNA as a church. And so I hope the Holy Spirit will will use his word 
Uh, he'll use the address this morning to really help you get a deeper understanding as to who we are, as well as help us kind of align and be in unity together as we move forward into the year ahead. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our study this morning. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for all that you provide for us. The reality is we have the privilege of being here today because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross on our behalf. Lord, in and of ourselves, there was nothing we could do to save us. But Lord, we thank you for sending your son to the cross, allowing him to be buried, and then rising from the dead so that we could be offered the hope of eternal life in heaven and abundant life here on earth. Lord, I pray that we would never take that reality of salvation for granted. I pray this morning that you would use your word to allow our church family to be of one heart and of one mind. I pray that you would allow us to get into unity and that we would make an impact for your glory and for your honor in a way that would really impact our neighborhood with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd bless this morning as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. I don't typically speak when I'm preaching, uh, but this morning, since I'm doing a little bit more teaching, I hope you'll allow me the opportunity uh, to do that here today. Proverbs chapter number 29 is where we are at. First thing I want to talk about this morning, we're going to be looking at three foundational aspects of uh, as our church family. There are just three things that I think are very important for people who are part of our church to really understand if, they, if they're going to get the DNA of what we're about as a church. So we're going to talk first of all about our vision. This passage says where there is no vision, where there is no word of the Lord that informs the vision, where there is no word of the Lord that informs our dreams, our plans for the future, the Bible says those people begin to perish. And, and I don't know about about you, but I would pray, it would be my hope that, that this congregation, this community of faith wouldn't perish, that, that we wouldn't unravel at the seams. In the Old Testament, there was a portion of scripture where God wrote this word Ichabod, and, and the word in Hebrew just means the glory has departed. And it's sad that in many churches in the world in which we live, it's, it's as if that metaphorical word Ichabod was written across the church. The glory has departed. There's no purpose. There's no point. And, and in my heartbeat is that that would not be said of this church family. And we're thankful for what God has done in the past, but we don't want to rest on that. We want to we ask God and say, God, do a work that only you can do in the future. So our vision. Here, let's talk about this word vision for a moment. The word vision really explains why we exist, all right? If I can give a little definition, a little caveat, a little context, vision explains why we exist, all right? So let me take a moment and give you what we call our vision statement, all right? It's, it's why we exist, and here's where it starts. You want to know why we exist? Here's where it starts. Our vision is to glorify Christ. You say, what are we all about? Why do we exist? We exist primarily to glorify the person of Jesus Christ. The, the first Corinthians says, whether we eat or whether we drink, whatsoever we do, here's what the Bible says, do it all to the glory of God. Uh, my friends, I want to remind you for a second that we do not exist for our own fame. We do not exist for our popularity. We don't exist so people will look at our church and be like, whoo! 
Woo, look at them, they're cool, or look at them, they're talented, or look at them, they're awesome. We don't exist for us. We exist for the fame of his name. We exist that Jesus Christ would be magnified here in this part of Fresno. That is why we exist. That is our vision from the Lord. That is our purpose. We exist to glorify Christ. My prayer and my hope is that as people in our community look at you and look at me and look at our our community of faith, they look at our church, that they wouldn't step back and say, wow, those guys are impressive. Oh, look at what they're doing here, and look how talented they are there, and man, look at their music, and wow, look at their facilities. That's, that's not our heartbeat. That's not our goal. That is not our motivation. We have one singular motivation, and that is when people look at us, they scratch their heads, and they say, I don't really get these people, but man, there's something about their God that's amazing. Man, I want to get to know him just a little bit more and just a little bit deeper. I'm telling you, that's what we're about. We're about the fame of Jesus' name. That's it. We're about lifting him high. We're about making him more popular and him more well-known and for people to have a better view of who Jesus is because we stepped into their lives. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Pastor Nick or the staff or the deacons or the connection group leaders. It's all about Jesus to glorify Christ. You say, Pastor, what are we about? Why do we exist? Ultimately, we exist for one reason, to glorify the person of Jesus Christ, the creator, sustainer, the savior of our lives. We exist for Jesus. But let's unpack it a little bit more, okay? We exist to glorify Christ notice this, and to see God's word change lives. You say, why are we here? What are we here to do? We are here to allow God's word to change our lives from the inside out. I do not have the ability to change a life. You might be really talented and really persuasive and really influential, but you, my friend, do not have the capacity to change the heart. But here's what the scriptures say. It's a promise. God says, my word, my word will not return void. It will accomplish what it's been sent forth to do. That's what God's word does. God's word changes lives. What's our vision? Why do we exist? We exist to glorify Christ and allow his word to change lives. That's why typically on a Sunday morning, we're just opening up the Bible. We're going to a passage of scripture. We're taking some verses. We're doing a Bible study. We're trying to help people understand in their practical everyday life what that means to them. You say, why are you so big on the Bible? I'm so big on the Bible because the Bible is what changes lives, not my communication abilities, not Pastor Nick's persuasion, not our leadership's administration. None of those things ultimately change the heart and soul of an individual. It's God's word that changes lives. So what's our vision? Our vision is to glorify Christ and see God's word change lives. And and let me just add a little bit more to it because this is this is just I just want us to get a big glimpse of how this works. And I've been saying this for a decade or more and I believe it with every ounce of my being. Our vision is to glorify Christ and see God's word change lives in such a miraculous way that 100 years from today, 
Now, I don't know how many of us plan on being around 100 years from today. But here's our vision, that 100 years from today, no honest history could be written of the Central Valley without mentioning the impact of his church, this church, upon the city of Fresno. Oh, that God would use our lives for something so big that he would use our lives in such profound ways in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of our coworkers, in the lives of the people we serve alongside, that he would use our lives in such a profound way that the very fabric of our community is altered by his spirit. That no honest history of this valley could be written without mentioning the impact of this church upon the city of Fresno. Now, how many of you agree with me? That's pretty audacious. That's, that's kind of big. And I'm going to be really honest with you. Be really transparent. I'm very much aware that I do not have the communication abilities, the leadership abilities, the administrative abilities. I love our staff, I love our pastoral staff, but the reality is they do not have the ability. There's a lot of you who are talented and gifted, but even if you put us all together, we don't even have the ability to accomplish that vision. But I still believe in a God who can. Is your God, my friend, still powerful enough to change the world? Do you believe that revival can still happen or is that something you've given up on a long time ago? Do you believe that there is still hope in the name of Jesus to change a neighborhood and to change a city and allow lives to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ? I, I want to declare to you today that by God's grace, I still believe that revival is possible. And I still believe that God is in the life-changing business. I still believe God can bring broken marriages and bring them together. I still believe that God can take teenagers who are far from him and by his grace draw him unto themselves. I believe that God changes lives. He can take the addict, he can make them sober. He can take the broken and make them whole. He can take that which is messed up and in his grace put it all together again. And I believe he can do that on an exponential level throughout our entire city. I still believe that. I believed it the day I became your pastor and I still believe it today. God's word changes lives. And I believe that he's gonna change lives in such a profound way that a hundred years from now, the history that gets written of our city is going to mention the impact of your labors. I believe that. It's what I've given my life to. I know it's what Pastor Nick's given his life to. I know it's what many in this room, it's what they've given their lives to. We don't want our lives to be in vain, but to make an impact, not for our fame, not for our name, but for his glory, for his honor, all for the name of Jesus Here's what Ecclesiastes says, though. A little wisdom passage. It says, for a dream, so we could say a vision, a word from the Lord. These type of dreams that we're talking about, these are big and these are audacious. A dream comes, or a dream is manifested, how? Through the multitude of busyness. You want me to clarify that for you? Here's what it means. It's going to take work. That's what it means. Dreams come to pass because there's groups of people that are willing to work to make it come to pass. 
Now, here's how the work happens. You see, it's not just about us in the flesh, disciplining our flesh to make ourselves do things we don't want to do. That's, that's not how this thing works. The reality is the way God is going to do this type of work is as we surrender in humility and allow his grace to do a transforming work in our heart, that grace transforms our values. It transforms our motivations. It transforms our beliefs and our identity. And it transforms us to such a profound degree that what God's doing in us starts to overflow and God begins to start doing things through us as well. Not us working for Christ, but Christ working through us. There's a major difference. I want you to listen to this next statement because I, I do believe it. That death comes to a church when the memories of the past supersede a vision for the future. Now, some of you in this room, I'm looking around, have been around for a long time, and I praise God for your faithfulness. I was even thinking this morning, there's some of you, and I'm just so grateful and so thankful because you are, you've been so faithful, first and foremost, to Christ, and you've, you've allowed that faithfulness to be a blessing to this community of faith, this local church. And I praise God for how his grace has worked in you and how his grace has worked through you. And I thank God for you. But for those of you who've been around a while, we never want to get to a place where we look back on the good old days and say, man, wasn't it great back then? Oh, that, that, that our dreams and vision that we get from the word of God and the spirit of God would overshadow the beautiful memories of the past. Do you still believe that God can work miracles? Do you believe? Do you believe he will? I want to go on record as saying I believe. I believe that God is going to use your life and the best is still yet to come for your kingdom impact. I believe that God's grace is greater than any obstacle you'll find yourself up against. God's grace is greater. Now, vision, okay, talk to me for a second. What does vision explain? That was okay, let's try it one more time. All right, vision explains what? Explains why we exist. Why do we exist? The glory of Christ. That's it. Glory of Christ, so his word will change lives so that impact could be made for his glory and honor. Let's look at another word in just a moment. Before we do, let me lay a foundation. Matthew chapter number 28 says this, okay? In fact, our missionary last week even talked about this verse. It's a good one. So Matthew 28 verse 19, if you've got your Bibles, turn there. I want you to see this. It says, go ye therefore. So let me give context for those of you who are newer to the church world. Jesus has died. He's been buried. He rose from the dead. He spent 40 days with his disciples. He's getting ready to ascend to the right hand of the Father. This will be the very last imperative, the very last command, the very last challenge that he gives to the disciples. And he says, hey, go. And I believe this, this imperative, this challenge, this command is given to us who are also disciples. He says, go ye therefore, notice this, he says, teach all nations. The Greek word for teach is the Greek word mathetaio. 
It literally means to make disciples. So he says, I want you to go, ye therefore. And he says, I want you to disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then he gives us a promise at the end, and lo, I'm with you all, even unto the end of the world. What a promise. So God, through Jesus Christ, gives us a challenge, gives us a command, gives us an imperative, which leads us to the second word I want to focus on in our uh, state of the church address. So we, we talked about what our vision is. But corporately as a church family, secondly, what is our mission? Mission. You see, the word vision answers the question or explains why we exist. It explains our motivations. But this word mission, it explains something different. It explains what we do. Mission explains what we do. And I'm talking for us as a, as a family of faith, us as a community of faith, us as a local church in Northwest Fresno. What is our mission? Can I ask you this question? Do we get to pick? <laughs> Does every church get together and scratch their head and say, ah, oh, I wonder what our mission should be? You know, here's the reality. Unfortunately, we don't get to pick our mission <laughs> because Jesus has already given us one. He's given us one. We see it right here in this passage. It says, disciple all nations. So mission explains what we do. Here's our mission. If you, wanna, if you have a pen, I, I didn't put these in your notes because I want you to write this out. I, wanna, I want you to ingrain this in your head. This is big. As a community of faith, here's our mission. Three words. Develop, deeper, disciples. Well, what do we do as a church family? What is, what's this thing all about? Developing deeper disciples. That's what we're about. We develop deeper disciples. Second Timothy chapter number two, uh, the apostle Paul is mentoring a young man by the name of Timothy. He, he wants to help Timothy be ready to, to minister. And, and so he says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, Timothy, the things that you have heard of me, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, he said, okay, so these things I've told you, other people have heard me tell this to you, so we're all on the same page here. He says, the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those things and commit thou. Commit them. He doesn't just say tell people. It's, de it's, it's, it's a deeper Greek word. It's not just tell people this. He says, commit it to them. Make sure they understand it. Make sure they're experiencing it. Commit thou to faithful men. He says, I, I want you to take the opportunity and I want you to give this to, to people who have been proven faithful. Why? Who will be able to teach others also. This is in a nutshell the mission of the church. When you take Matthew 28 and 2 Timothy 2.2 and many other passages throughout the Pauline epistles, you find that the church's mission is very clear. It is to develop deeper disciples. Now, I want to clarify because for some people, the idea of discipleship, teaching them the message of Jesus, some people think, oh, discipleship is what you do after somebody comes to faith in Christ. And while that is partly true, as we saw last week, our missionary, he explained to us that discipleship actually starts the moment you meet somebody. Evangelism 
helping somebody come to faith in Christ is actually a part of discipleship. It's where discipleship starts. The moment you are being used of God to help them come to faith in Christ, that's discipling them and understanding who Jesus is. But then it doesn't stop. It keeps going, and, and God wants to use our church. He wants to use you. He wants to use me to disciple to help them understand the words of Jesus, to experience abundant Christian life for themselves, and to know how to experience that. So, uh, if you want to jot this down, I hope this will help to clarify a little bit, but our mission, while this defines what we do, all right, we develop deeper disciples, that's what we're about. While it defines what we do, our mission also describes what we do not do. It's a clarifying statement. Because how many of you recognize we have finite energy, right? How many of you have finite energy? How many of you wish you had more energy, all right? We have finite energy. We have finite resources. At least I do, and I think most of us. Does anybody in here have infinite resources? Uh, I'd love to talk with you after the service, all right? We're finite in our resources, finite in our energy. So we only have so much energy that we can put into things. So our mission not only defines what we do, by implication, it also describes a lot of things that we don't do. Now, say, why are you emphasizing this? For those of you who have have had the opportunity to travel the world and maybe go to churches in third world countries, I, I, I say this respectfully, but I also see it as an observation, and that is this. By and large, the Western church, the American church, has missed the mark on their mission. There is a lot of good things that the American church does that are not bad. But they keep them from doing the best things. Busy doing this, busy doing that, spending energy here, spending energy there, putting resources here, putting resources there. Not bad things. But when you sum it all up, it keeps them from doing the main thing, and that's developing deeper disciples. I've told you before, I've had the opportunity of preaching in in just under 40 states around the country. I haven't been to every state, but about 40 states I've preached in churches, and I've had the opportunity of doing that. And, And one of the things that really, really concerns me is that this thing of developing deeper disciples, it gets talked about, it gets, you know, glorified. But rarely does it ever actually get done. And if we're going to be a local church in northwest Fresno that is being what God has called us to be, then we have to be involved in the mission of developing deeper disciples as a church. Now, when I say church, I'm not just speaking about me. I'm not just speaking about Pastor Nick. I'm not just talking about our deacons and our connection group leaders, and our ministry coordinators. When I say our church, I'm talking about those of you who have covenantally committed to this community of faith. I'm talking about us 
There is no church without talking about us as individuals. We are the church. Not these walls, these buildings. We are the church collectively. And if we're not careful, we will have a propensity of staying busy in a thousand things less than what God has called us to be as a church family. Because that's the natural propensity of our hearts. So what are some things we don't do? Uh, and, and for those of you who are newer to the church, I, I, just, I just say this so you understand who we are and, and, and what we're about. And those of you who've been around for a while, maybe this will help you to understand the, you know, just kind of the, what makes us a little unique. I'll say this. We're not primarily about entertainment events. I, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with some events that are entertaining. I, I don't think those are wrong. I hope you and your family, I hope you enjoy opportunities to go to Disneyland. And I hope that, you know, during harvest time that you go and get a pumpkin for your kids and grandkids and ride the Ferris wheel and sit on a pony and let them jump in a bounce house. I, I, that's good. Nothing wrong with that. But too many churches have put so much energy into creating wholesome entertainment for the family, so much resources, and over time, they are no longer on mission with what God has called his church to be on mission about. And that becomes a problem. When you have a bunch of people willing to volunteer for an entertainment event, but very few who will say, hey, I, I want to be involved in discipling, is an issue. And I said earlier, this is kind of to our church family, and if you're visiting, maybe pick the wrong Sunday, but I'm just talking to our, I'm talking to our church family for a moment. We're having a little, little family meeting. That is our mission not because i define it not because pastor nick defines it that is what god defines in his word as our mission to develop deeper disciples so at the end of the day you might be like well i used to go to this church and they used to have all these wholesome entertaining fun things for me to do with my family here's the deal you don't you don't need the church to provide that that's that's why there's a mom and dad you make wholesome fun entertaining opportunities for your kids of the church to do that it's not what we're called to do i'm not even saying we'll never do it but it will not become our priority it will not become the emphasis i can promise you that see mission defines what we do but it also describes what we will not do uh, how about social activities fellowship activities Nothing wrong with churches going and being like, let's all go to a baseball game. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, right? How many of you agree? That's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong. But it's interesting that a lot of churches that really emphasize those types of things, you kind of look underneath the surface and try to find out how many people are deeply being discipled. And it gets talked about. But the majority of the people in the church aren't doing it. Why are we here? What's the point? 
We're here to develop deeper disciples, to help people experience abundant life in Christ. A life that transcends needing entertainment and needing to be amused. We have something greater to offer them. We have the life of Christ that brings joy unspeakable and full of glory. A peace that passeth understanding. Love that's unconditional in nature. We have something grander and greater. And the way we give it to them is through the process of discipleship. But because the church has lost its focus of the power of Christ in a life, we have to replace it with things that give people the feels for a minute. Because there is no power behind their church. There's nothing real and substantial. There is no joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is no peace that passeth understanding. There is no love unconditional. And so there's a form of godliness There's no power. So we use this event and this activity to give people an emotional feeling for a moment to get them back the next day because we can't offer them something more genuine. And in and of themselves, those things aren't bad. Please, I'm not trying to vilify those things. I'm not. But they cannot become the priority for the church. The church has a mission you have a mission and it's to help people experience something transcendent something that transcends what the secular world has to offer i'm here to say this the world can create better entertainment than the church can and the world can be more amusing than the church can if we try to play their game, we'll lose every time. But we have something they don't. The power of the gospel. And we need to focus on what we have. Because it's the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel that changes lives. And that is ultimately what the world looks to the church for. What are we about? What's our mission? What explains what we do? We're not about... We're not just about entertainment events or, or fellowship activities. They're not wrong. We do some fellowship stuff in through our connection group Bible studies. We kind of let that. But as far as just church at large, it's not something. If you're like coming around, you're like, hey, pastor, when, when are, you know, when are we going to do our, you know, next, you know, church-wide, you know, uh, trip to whatever, you know, Cancun. <laughs> you know, when's that happening? Uh, you know what? Get you some friends and go to Cancun. You don't need the church to do that for you it's not what the church is for and and like they said there'd be moments where we might lean into this a little bit for a moment it's just not going to become the priority and if that's what you're looking for in a church i hate to disappoint you but at least you know i'll say a third thing this defines what we do the mission but it also describes what we do not do can i can i say this we're not primarily about religious preferences here i'm just going to be straight up uh, too many churches have gotten so distracted by the religious preferences, they are no longer deeply impacting their community for Christ. It's totally fine to have your preference about church. It's good. I hope you do. It's not wrong. 
but we're not going to major on minors here. I have people ask me all the time, okay, so like, are you, are you like one of these traditional churches? Are you like one of these contemporary churches? You know, which, which of these are you? And I'm like, uh, we're, we're a church that, that's just trying to follow the Spirit and glorify Christ the best we can see in this world. We don't have an agenda to be a traditional church. We're not trying not to be traditional. We're also not trying to be contemporary. We have no agenda when it comes to that. We don't. Our goal is not to be traditional. Our goal is not to be contemporary. Our goal is just to be Jesus-focused. Man, you know, can I wear a t-shirt at church or do I need to wear a tie at church? You know what? There's people here wearing ties and there's people here wearing t-shirts. Wear what helps you focus on Jesus. It's not an issue. And don't the people who are sitting here wearing t-shirts look at the people who are wearing ties thinking, man, they must think they're better than us, holier than that. Nah, 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 nah. No. If that helps them focus on Jesus, that's great. And the people wearing ties, they're not looking at you being like, man, where, where'd, where'd you just come from, the dump? We're not comparing ourselves with each other. Here's what the Bible says, to compare ourselves with each other, we're not wise. This is not a place about religious preferences. You know, I've had people, you know, hey, you know, we used to go to this big church and we're kind of looking for maybe a medium church or a smaller church, you know, and things like that. It's kind of what we're, what we're all about. And, are, you know, you kind of a smaller church, you kind of bigger church. I'm going to say this. We don't have an agenda to be a small church or a big church. It's not on the radar. We're here to glorify Christ. And if glorifying Christ means the church gets bigger, we praise God. And if in glorifying Christ it means the church gets smaller, praise God. It's not, we're, we don't have an agenda to be a small church or a big church. We had people who came to our church you know, years ago. They're like, we just love small churches. It's back when we were on our little chapel over in Clinton Boulevard. and It, it sat, you know, uh, 7,500 people or so in the building. It was great. And they're like, we just love small churches. And then all of a sudden, we weren't quite as small anymore, and they left. Because their purpose wasn't really to glorify Christ. It was just they, they want a small church. We don't have an agenda to be a small church or a medium church or a large church. It's not what we're about. We're about glorifying Christ and allowing his word to change lives. And if that means it's big, it's praise God. If it's small, praise God. That's not part of the agenda. The religious preferences of church size is not really on our radar. <laughs> you know, it's like, some people are like, is it, well, is, is this a church for, 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 for the millennials? Or is this like a church for the, for the boomers? <laughs> Who's this church for? You know? And I'll just be really honest. We've gotten pretty good at making both groups pretty uncomfortable. We got the boomers, and every once in a while, Hunter will do something, and it makes me feel a little awkward. I'm like, oh, I don't know if you can do that in church. And every time, every once in a while, we'll do something, you know? And some of the millennials will roll their eyes and be like, oh, brother. We're singing a hymn again. And I'm not really, I don't think that actually happens. I'm just trying to make a point. 
Are you, are you trying to, you trying to reach the young people? Are you trying to reach, a, we're just a generational church. We're trying to glorify Jesus and allow his word to change lives to develop deeper disciples. And if that means we primarily attract millennials or boom, I, that's not the point. I, I'm so thankful. I, I see Ann back here, you know, and, and, uh, and Ann, you're a millennial, right? Ann? No, no. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> whether it's, whether it's people who are a little bit up in age or whether it's a young person, we're just, we just want to help you take your next step in developing a deeper relationship with Christ. I'll put this on the screen. Many churches are struggling because running programs, activities, and events has replaced making disciples. We've got to keep our focus as a church. Develop deeper disciples. Okay, we talked about our vision we talked about our uh, vision, mission. I, w- I want to give what you one more word in just a second, and that's purpose. So, so in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 10, the apostle Paul is saying to young Timothy, he says in chapter 3, he says, thou hast fully known. He says, Timothy, you fully know this. You know this. He says, you know my doctrine. You know my manner of life. Get this. He says, you know my purpose. You, you know why. You know what our purpose is. He says, you know my faith and the charity and patience that I have. You know these things. And, and just like Paul wanted young Timothy to know his purposes. I hope that our church family, that we, you understand what our purposes are about, which gives us the third word, and that's purpose. See, purpose explains how we will succeed. Purpose explains how we will succeed at our vision and mission. So we have a vision to glorify Christ. We have a vision to develop deeper disciples. Now, what's the strategy, right? How are we functionally, practically going to do this, Okay. So let's talk about this for, for a few moments. You see, uh, our, our three primary purposes of church, and if you've been around for a while, you know what they are, all right? Our three primary purposes guide people through a discipleship journey of faith that allows them to fully experience the abundant Christian life. And so our purposes are not just something we put on the wall and put on the back of the service program to have some cute language so when people look at our church, they're like, oh, okay, they have a purpose statement. It's not the point of it all. Our purposes are like checkpoints on a journey that we are trying to take every person that comes through our doors, we are trying to take them on a journey that we believe from the word of God will help them grow deeper in their relationship with Jesus in in order to experience abundant Christian life. So let me give you these three words real quick and we'll unpack them. Number one, first thing we're trying to do is get people to commit to Christ. So this is where it starts, a commitment to Christ. Here in our church, we want to help people cultivate a deeper relationship with the Spirit of Jesus. We believe this is the first step in making deeper disciples. There's got to be a moment where they've committed their lives to Christ, and they are growing deeper in their commitment to Christ. And my friends, I'll say this, functionally for our church, that is what Sunday mornings are about. If you come here on Sunday mornings, nine times out of ten, the purpose of that service is going to help people grow in deeper in their commitment to Christ, whether it's through their family or whether it's in child rearing, whether it's with their finances, a lot of different areas, but we're just trying to get people to grow deeper in their commitment, their communion, and their passion for Jesus. I hope every time somebody walks out, they're like, man, I'm just, I'm a little more excited about what, you know, Jesus wants to do in my life commitment to Christ. The Bible says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we're about, developing a passion for Christ. Sunday mornings, inviting people into this. 
As I said at the beginning of the service, over the last year, we've had about 32 families, uh, household units, I should say, because not all families, but 32 addresses, people from 32 households that have started becoming regular attenders of our church family in the last year. Praise the Lord for it, all right? Uh, one of those families sitting right here, Karen and Javier. How are you guys doing? <laughs> you guys doing good? Last summer, they started uh, visiting our church. You guys found us on Facebook? Is that, yeah, okay, so they're on Facebook and and uh, every once in a while, we'll throw something up on Facebook about the church. They saw it, and they visited. Karen had committed her life to Christ before she had started coming to the church. Javier never had. It was interesting to him. And so they just started coming on Sunday mornings last summer. They started coming and attending. And you know, it was funny. After a few weeks, a few months, they just kept coming. Javier just kept listening. Somebody, sometimes he'd give me weird looks, like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> That's cool. And it wasn't long, uh, whereas Pastor Nick was working with him and discipling him, Javier personally committed his life to Christ, came to faith in Christ. It was awesome. It was so cool. And uh, they started that journey of commitment to Christ, started coming on Sunday morning super faithfully and just soaking it in. Man, they, they came to parenting class and just soaked in, you know. How do, how do we commit deeper to Christ when it comes to raising our kids? And it's just, it's just going deeper and deeper into that commitment to Christ. And I was encouraged. And this is one story of several that I could tell from the past couple of years. But I want you to ask yourself this question, whether you've been here for a month or been here for 10 years. See, these aren't checkpoints we move past. They're checkpoints we move deeper into. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Be honest. If you're, if you're a part of this church family, I want you to ask yourself, am I committed to Christ through regular attendance of the Sunday morning worship service? Is this, is this something you're committed to that, that, that'll help cultivate your passion and love for Jesus? Am I deepening my commitment to Christ through regular attendance to the Sunday morning worship service? Is this a priority for you? This is part of, this is part of the abundant life discipleship journey within the context of this local church. All right? But see, the journey doesn't just start with commitment to Christ. The Bible also speaks as part of this discipleship journey that there's to be a connection with other believers in that local church. See, see that's the second thing. So it's commitment to Christ. Our second purpose is connection to a local church. Here in our church, we want to help people cultivate stronger relationship with other believers in this church. The Bible says, iron sharpens iron. And so we have a different environment that we believe helps sharpen people and build those relationships. We call them connection group Bible studies. They meet every day of the week. They meet all around our city. And the primary purpose is to help us connect on a deeper level around the word of God and the person of Christ to have a deep, intimate relationship with other believers. And we believe this is important. Connection. And so it's, yes, commitment to Christ, but also connection to a church. Here's what was encouraging to me. Javier and Karen, they were coming, they committing to Christ, growing deeper, and just regularly being involved in Sunday morning services, and all of a sudden they, uh, they, they came and they got plugged into a connection group Bible study. Man, they just got faithful to it. And man, the people in that group just kind of got around them. They were an encouragement to those people. Those people were an encouragement to them. And just got involved in this thing. I was joking in the first service. I don't actually think that's a real picture of their connection group. It looks like you're in the lobby, all right? But that's a general idea. Okay? It's just this koinonia relationship. 
I remember when they got baptized and formally connected, you know, identifying with Christ. Wow, that, was, that was so awesome. But here's the question I want to ask you. These aren't things you move past. They're things you move deeper into. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I cultivating stronger relationships with my church family through regular involvement in a midweek connection to Bible study? It's a different environment. Rows are great. Sunday morning's great for helping us understand the word so we can commit to Christ. But it's not the best environment for connecting with other believers. So we believe in rows and circles. Rows and circles. And circles is where we, we iron sharpens iron and, and we apply God's word to our lives and we keep each other accountable and we pray for each other and we build close koinonia relationships. And, and they're not always easy and they're not always fun. They help us building those deep relationships. Uh, two weeks from today is our Connection Group Sunday. I hope you'll be a part. It's, we're going to have an opportunity for you to find out more how to get into one of these connection groups because they're so, so important. So we have, what are our purpose? You know, how will we succeed at, at developing deeper disciples? We have these purposes. We've got to help people get deeper in Christ. We have to help people connect to the church family. And then lastly, we have to have a compassion on the community. Compassion for the community. Compassion. This is where we talk about showing and sharing the love of Christ with our actions and with our words. It's where discipleship happens. We serve people. And then we teach people, we disciple people, we show and share the love of Christ. We show the love through community service events and, and serving our community. And then we share the love of Christ through discipleship and evangelism. And we show and we share and we share and we show. And this is how we show compassion here on Northwest Fresno. This is the primary focus of our weekly serving and ministry opportunities. To get involved in this way. Uh, this, this was really cool. So Javier and Karen, they started, committed their lives to Christ, got committed to Sunday morning, got deeper into it. Man, they were just trucking along. All of a sudden, they get connected to a, a small group Bible study, getting, making friendships, getting to know people, allowing themselves to be disciples. An awesome opportunity for them, but it didn't stop. Then they're like, hey, hey we want to get involved. And it wasn't long before they started serving the Lord through this church family to share and show Christ's love. And, uh, you know, uh, Karen has started playing the piano at the church, just using her gifts and her abilities that God's given her for the Lord. Javier serving uh, in the parking lot ministry, having a little fun. Uh, having a lot of fun. <laughs> Just using, just using those gifts and abilities. I know their heartbeat is, is, to, is to show the love of Christ and they've been involved in outreach events in this community, serving those outside these walls. I know we've had conversations about how they have a heart to disciple their kids and teach their kids these things and to help others. You know, I think I saw your family that you invited in church, were they in church the first service? So they're witnessing they're in church in the 930 service, and they're just, they're just, they're living this thing. I'm here to say this, that's what we're about. I would hope that they'd be able to say our life has been enriched throughout the last year. And not because of me, because of us. And we love you guys. And I'm excited to see how God's going to continue to use you to impact others with the gospel of Christ. But that's, that's what this is about. That's how we succeed. 
And like I said, I'm looking around right now and I'm like, oh man, I could have told this story and that story. That's what we're about here, to develop deeper disciples. So here's the last question when we're talking about compassion. Am I, all right, am I showing and sharing the compassion of Christ through the weekly ministry opportunities in this local church? I want you to ask yourself that question. I'm not the church, and Pastor Nick's not the church. We are the church. We're the church. And I, I believe with every ounce of my being that these are not just the purposes of our church. These are the secrets to life. As we commit our lives and align ourselves with living life the way God designed life to be lived, I believe it's what creates our best life. As we commit deeper and surrender deeper, it's where fullness of life comes from. And as we connect to brothers and sisters in Christ, these deep relationships, you ever feel lonely? You ever feel like nobody cares? You need deep relationships, not just surface relationships, deep spiritual koinonia relationships that can be fostered as we humbly enter into them. And then to live our lives, to leave a legacy, to, to not just, all, it's not always about, you know, building our kingdom and, and trying to do things that'll, you know, make our bottom line better. It's about serving others, sharing and showing the love of Christ, discipling other people. So, so important. So here's where I'd like to end today. I want us to ask this question corporately, especially those of you who are formal covenant and formal covenant commitment with the church family. How are we doing at developing deeper disciples? What grade would we give ourselves? Can I get personal for just a moment? You are the church. How is God's grace working in your life in discipling somebody else? It's our mission what we're called to be it's what we're called to do how are we doing at this and if you're not involved i just want to say god loves you (laughs) i'm not trying to guilt anybody i'm not trying to shame anybody if you never disciple one person for the rest of your life god still loves you but here's the deal there are few things in life as exciting and joy-filled as being used of god make a spiritual impact in the life of someone else on a deep level it's just it it's so rewarding it's so enjoyable it's it's thrilling and i want to invite you into that joy it's powerful when god uses your life to impact the life of someone else oh that god would give us his grace to do exactly that Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.